And as we go along this morning, you'll realize why we're doing it this way. But there is a, um, there's a thought, several thoughts that come to me. I, I have preached on this before. And so uh, you'll probably, probably remember hearing some of this, but um, go with me to the book of Acts, the second chapter. And I want to read the last sentence of the um, second chapter, the last sentence. No, we, we've got that. We're going to do our offering, but we've got it planned another way this morning, okay? I'm hitting a staple here. Where's that, where's that hammer? Thank you, brother. Going to be tripping over a staple the whole time. And so, at the second chapter, and I just want to look at that last verse. She's right there. Amen. That's the work of the Lord right there. Amen. Thank you, brother. Um, and so, um, as we, as we uh, see this last verse, I want to go up, and then we're going to look at some other verses, but... And the Lord added to the church those being saved from day to day, from day to day. So it wasn't a one-day deal. I'll tell you something else. Nobody else was adding people to the church. This thing is so serious before God. We've made it frivolous. To us, church is a lot of things. Church can be, you know, get up Sunday morning and go wherever you feel the best. Where, where they preach the, the self-help, you know, message. Sing a few songs, come home, feel good, put a star on our chart. We went to church. But the Lord sees this thing. You know, the only thing God is doing in the earth is building his church. That's it. He's not doing anything else in the earth other than building his church. There's a lot of prophets, so-called prophets, that think otherwise. They think God is doing a lot of other things besides building his church. He's not. If all the events from the creation of the beginning of man till Christ was all in formation in order to bring in Christ, and Christ was brought in, and then his word was, I will build my church, my kingdom, pray my kingdom come, is there something else on the Lord's mind? Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall and, and uh, powers rise and they fall. Administrations, thank God they fall. We're hoping for one in a, in a while, right? Governors who are so smart, so smug, get voted out. 
I don't know that Abraham Lincoln said that God is overlooking the affairs of mankind, in which I, okay, but only in view of the church. It's his concern. The, the day of the Abrahamic covenant is over. That Abraham went going, doing, walking after God, not knowing where he was going. We know where we are going now. And so I want to talk for a little while about this, this uh, original church that Jesus put together. Is that okay? Whether it is or not, I'm still going to do it. You got about two or three amens, and I expect you to be shouting. Those guys get amen. So, Lord, we thank you. Oh, what an honor to be here this morning, Lord. What a blessing to be around our brothers and sisters. We love each one of them. They have traveled far to be with us, Lord. We all ventured from California, Lord, and we're here. We got feels like we came home now. And the thing we want to do, Lord, is establish your way. Not ours. Not what we think, but what you think, Lord. And so we're going to look into your word, and we ask you to bless it and anoint it. God, anoint my mind to speak your word in Jesus' name. We pray, man. So I know Acts 2.38. I know that. I know Acts, Acts uh, 2 and the first, first verse, 2 and 1 and 2 and 3. and The day of Pentecost is fully come, and they were all in one place, one accord, and, 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 and God breathed into that room the breath of life, and each of them were filled by the Spirit holy. The breath of God filled lives. They begin to speak with other languages, not tongues. I'm not going to use tongues. I want, I want to use languages there because tongues only in the way if we think of it as dialects. They begin to speak in languages, the words of God. People were stirred. All Jerusalem, thousands were stirred. The city was under mass population at this time. You know the three feasts. You know, you know they have to, it's demanded of all the Jewish men to come to the three feasts. They had several feasts, but these three, the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of, of Pentecost, the Feast of Passover. And uh, these three feast trumpets, was um, required of them. And so Josephus the historian said that when they would gather, and he knew he was one of them, he gathered with them, that there would be in excess of a million people in Jerusalem. That's a little hard to imagine at that day and that parameter of a city, but that's a lot of folks. So now, visualize this. They're pouring out of a, of a room down onto the street. And on the street, they are speaking the words of God in many, many different languages. Now, it names them, and I don't know if that's all the languages they spoke in, but I think there was a language for every person that was there that knew a different language. Amazing. Amazing. And so Peter gets up and preaches to them. And then we get Acts 2.38. Thank you, Pastor Rodney, for coming up with this clarity about what they were and who they were. And if you look at Peter's sermon, and you, can, you could go back there. I don't know what verse it starts in. 
But no, I want to go with you. Let's go back to the beginning of Peter's sermon. And um, so I'm going to have to look it up here. Just be, just be a second patient. Here it is in the 14th verse. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke out to them, Men, Jews, and all living in Jerusalem. It was a directive to them. There may have been people there that were not Jews. I believe there probably was. A lot of proselytes there, but men, those of Judea, those Jewish men, and those that live in Jerusalem. And so at the end of Acts, Acts 2.38, that, that sermon, the end there, what must we do? And then Peter says, says of repent, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sin. His next sermon does not use baptism. His next sermon to them, two chapters later, says repent and be converted. So I'm not going to put everything on baptism this morning. We do it. But I'm not putting, I'm not laying it there. But I want to know what happened after Pentecost. I know what happened at Pentecost. I know miraculous, wonderful. I mean, one of the highlight days, the birthing of the Christian church, right? This, this, is, this is what the day of Pentecost was about. The birthing of the Christian church, but the outpouring of the Spirit, but I need to know why and how, how they were affected by it. The supernatural miracle of gifted languages. Did any of those men that spoke those languages, those 120, did they ever speak that language again? We don't know because it was only by utterance of the Spirit. They didn't have it theirself. And let me, let me make this addition. You, you might seek after a gift, which, Peter, which Paul says to do, seek after the best gift, but that gift is not yours. Otherwise, these men and women who came out of that upper room speaking in languages, it was theirs. And now they could speak Sicilian or whatever it was, all of those that were, that were listed. It wasn't theirs. So did they ever speak those again? We don't know. Was this event, Acts 2.38, was this the norm for Christian secession? Or was it to the Judeans and the Jer Jerusalemites? Was it to the Gentile church? That you can't get saved without this formula. And the formula is repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and speak in tongues. I think we fail to see the mind of God in it if that's the approach that we take. So this is what happened on that day. But even if Acts 2.38 was the centerpiece of faith in Christ, what did the church do after Acts 2.38? 
even if that was, I, I don't believe it is the centerpiece of Christianity. But even if it was, and I've always felt this way, you know that, that I believe in a spirit move, and I believe that God moves on us. We talked about last Sunday about our rejoicing and honoring the Lord in a, in a lot of different ways. But I have seen people slain in the spirit and get up with no effect in their life. I have seen people speak in what they would call tongues and then get up and go right back to the way they were. I've seen healing services and, and miracles literally happen during the service. And yet people not affected by what happened in their life. And I do not believe this is the pattern of what God wants to do. But I believe that anytime the Spirit of God touches you, there is an effect in your life. Okay, you spoke in tongues. Now you just go right back to the way you were. No, no, that's, this is not what God wants to do. And so when we look at the church as a whole, not just individually, but as a whole, there, there are six earmarks in this second chapter about the church. And these were brought forth by the, let's say, the least corrupted, simple believers. I hate to tell you this morning, but you have been religiously corrupted. So I want to go back to the least corrupted, most simple form of what Christianity was about. And I think we're going to see that on day two. Not the day of Pentecost, but the day after Pentecost. And then the days following that, and the weeks following that, and the months following that, and the years following that. We never hear of another outpouring like was on the day of Pentecost. But we see an establishment of the church from what happened on the day of Pentecost. It radically changed their lives. Can everybody say amen? And the move of the Spirit of God is going to change your life. He's going to change your life. And so I'm going to go up and travel this a little bit and pick this up kind of verse by verse. And you can follow me if you want to. But verse 41 actually is going to stop the day of the events. And 3,000 souls were added that day. And it, it pretty much then stops that, but it says, and they were continuing steadfastly. So this continuing means the day was over, and they're continuing to do certain things. Now, there's a list of those, and we're going to look at those because I believe that's what God wants the church to be. So many things had transpired on the day of Pentecost. So it was just a lot of things that they didn't, had never experienced before. Spirit of God poured out upon them. But I want to see the fruit of what happens when God pours His Spirit out. I want to see the effect of what it does in our life. And so we're all, you know, when I'm a kid and, and, and growing up and everything, and, and even now some of the churches were going, all worried about the last time revival, all worried about is God going to bring another great outpouring. In fact, 
one, one guy, I really like him, and he just preached. I watched it the other day, and he just preached. He said there's been three outpourings on Pentecost and then on Azusa Street at that time, and then there's going to be one last great outpouring, and all peoples are going to be coming in because of that great outpouring. But I don't see the church that way. What do you mean? We've had 2,000 years and generation after generation after generation that didn't get an outpouring? So God didn't care much about them, but he cares about us in the last day. This is about us. It's not about him. To think that God is just going to grant us greatness on this last day, and, and we're going out of here with a flash of glory, and everything is going to, we're going to turn the world upside down, but, but really the scripture doesn't read that way. But what it does read is that God built him a church. And the gates of hell can't prevail against what God built. That's not a flash in the pan. That's not a feeling. That's not a tongue. That's not a miracle. That's a building that God put together. Oh, the flash in the pan can go away. The good feeling can go away. But the church is established. Can you say amen? And I like, you know, it's just so easy for me to connect with the Lord when he says, I'm going to build. And he talked a lot about building. He was a builder. I'm going to build me a church. And here it's found. Here's where it's at. He starts it off in birth, but he doesn't leave it there. Willy-nilly, just whatever the spirit. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, there's, no. there's some things God is instituting for the church. So the first one is, verse 42, it's, there's several of them in 42, but let's, let's read this. If, if this verse isn't implemented in you, and I want to say this to, well, there's nobody here, but maybe somebody watching. If it's not implemented into your life, then, then really you just got wet and babbled some words. That's all baptism and speaking in tongues does for you then. If this is not implemented in you. But I believe that God building a church is implemented by His Spirit. Everybody all right? Say amen. Okay. So, um, they continued steadfastly in the teaching. And the, the Greek word there is the didache of the apostles. In the second century, they came up with a holy writ called the didache. And the didache, now the Catholic Church uses it. Good on them. But I'm not doing that, Didache. It was written by, oh, I, I, I believe to be an imposter. It wasn't the words of the apostles. But the words of the apostles is what they stayed under. This is amazing. They spoke in tongues. They ran out into the street and people were moved. The city was moved because they spoke in tongues. Then they came in and sat at the apostles' feet and heard their teaching. Everybody say amen right there. No, the Spirit super. No, no. The Spirit is going to lead you. Oh, you may speak a tongue. You may have a, a, a miracle happen. But the Spirit of God is always going to lead you to hear the apostles' teaching. There is no time in God building His church that this doesn't happen. And thank God they recorded their teaching in this word, 
And you have the teaching, not all of the teaching, but you, you have enough here for life and godliness. You have enough here for the revelation of Jesus Christ in your life. God is building upon His Word taught by His apostles. That kind of brings me to a subject some folks think, and I know several, don't believe in preachers. And that's okay. You're just wrong. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you believe. And for you and your family, whoever you're affecting, you're just wrong. You're just going to lead them in the wrong direction. God's Spirit will always lead you to the teaching of the gospel. By men. And I don't count, you know me, everybody that knows me, I don't count myself to be, you know, something extraordinary. But God does call people to preach His Word. And so the apostles are the ones who are getting up there preaching the Word of Jesus Christ. They're, they're relating to them the things that they have heard from Christ Himself. And they're teaching those people, and they are continuing to stay steadfastly in that. Now, it doesn't say how long, but I believe it's 2,000 years. The church right now, how many believe the church is built on this foundation? The cornerstone Jesus Christ and His apostles. If we leave that, then we are not continuing steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. So this is the first earmark. Well, you know how long this sermon's going to last. I have six of them. The second one is found just directly after that. And I love this one, and, and I love the teaching too, but and doesn't say continuing steadfastly, but it means the same thing. It's in the same verse. And continuing steadfastly in the koinonia. Man, this is a good one. This is part of the church. Several years ago, we started church before um, at 10 o'clock. Remember, we would start at 10 o'clock and go. And I just felt like, no, let's start at 10.15. But we really still start at 10. But for 15 minutes, we have what we call koinonia. Now, koinonia is simply put this way in the King James Version and many other English Bibles, fellowship. But fellowship does not sum up the word koinonia very good. It doesn't give the full meaning. Koinonia is not standing around talking. And I love it, though. I'm not a great conversationalist, and everybody knows that, but Rodney is. He got it from his mom, who got it from her dad. I mean, just a chain of succession right there. And little Rod got it. I don't know. You know, it's just weird. It just jumps. And uh, Riley a little bit, too. Right? Katie? I don't know. Coop? He didn't get it. He liked me. Man, he loves to be right there in the group, though. I do, too, you know, but he didn't always say something. Just kind of listen. But that's not the essence of koinonia. I love it. How many of you love standing around talking with the brothers and just hugging their neck and saying, man, what kind of week did you have? How's your job going? How's the family going? How's things going? You know, how's the Lord treating you? Is everything good? And, and, and I love it. But that's not enough because you can do that with the world. True koinonia, you cannot do with the world. True koinonia, it involves an obligation. It involves a partnership. Really, the word koinonia, direct, uh, a direct definition would be partnership. 
And then it also denotes being in a community together. Not communal living, but being part of a community. So my fellowship, quote, fellowship, is come in, say a few things, and and uh, just enjoy, you know, the presence of everybody, and then go home. That's not good enough. I have an obligation to the body. Somebody say amen right there. And what is my obligation? I'm in partnership with you all. This is the early church. And if you read it closely, it said they didn't even consider that they had private things that they could not use for the help of others in the body because there I'm going to tell you something love grows out of koinonia which is an obligation it's a partnership you're part of the community you're part of the body of Christ Paul puts it this way we are members one of another we are not isolated we draw together as a body sure each one of us serves the Lord Jesus Christ but when we come together we are the household of the Lord and this is exactly what the early church was. See, I think the failure of big church is this. You go, but you are not koinonia. You don't even know the people. You have no obligation to them. There is no real partnership or fellowship with them. Even though it's good to go, that's not the early church. And so if we want to establish this morning, we come out here, we've got, got this property now, we've got this building. But we want to establish something that's greater than this building. Say amen. Greater than this property, and we're going to, man, I'm telling you what, we're going to try. Josh came over there and said, boy, this looks really good. Thank you for that, Josh. His neighbor, he's been here, he said, you guys are doing a great job, and we've only had it a few days. Just think what will happen. Amen. But this is not what church is about. See, if you go to a mega church or even if you come to this one and you're not connected with the body. That's something funny happened to me. How much time we got? 1120? Are you kidding me? We've got 40 minutes left. That's something happened to me. It was kind of embarrassing, but but just kind of shows this attitude. Um, we were in town, I think it was, and Kay probably correct me, but we met some people and uh, just talking to them. I said, hey, where do you guys go to church? They looked at me and said, I go to your church. I was a little embarrassed, but on the other hand, I wasn't. They were not part of the community. Because you come in the back door a couple of times and, and you know, maybe even throw something in the offering. That does not connect you in the body of Christ. We become brethren. We become sisters in the Lord. We care about each other and each other's lives. Can you say amen? And so going to this big mega stuff, what happens is that we really don't know anybody. We really don't care about anybody. We just want to get in there, get the mega church over and go home. There's no obligation. But the kingdom of God is greater than anything in your life. The early church thought it was. They thought God's kingdom was, and at the roots of it, it has to survive, right? It has to I think we're back to that place again because of the corruption of what has happened in church. Almost everything I'm going to preach this morning, you're not going to find in general church because we've left that. We know better now. 
and I want to go back. Ever hear that song, Take Me Back? Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first believed you. It's the closest, right? It's the simplest. You just believed. You just you weren't dependent on yourself there. So the church, when it first believed, when the church first ascribed itself to Jesus Christ, was the simplest form of faith. And I want to try and get back there. Can you say, man, will you go with me? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. For the third, third part of this, number three, is, and they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. So I always felt like this kind of meant more than just having dinner. Because we find that down in about verse 46, I think, where they went house to house and they broke bread. But that, there's, wait a minute. It uses some definite articles here. So the breaking of the bread. Hmm. I think we're talking about the Lord's Supper. Are you ready, brothers? I need my helpers to come up. Our ministers help us out here. We're going to break bread because we're going to start this thing off the way the Lord had it started off. If we forget, if we forget the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our faith is void. It doesn't mean a thing if we forget. So Jesus said, as often as you do this, go ahead and serve them, brothers. As often as you do this, do it not to forgive your sin, not to get healed, though there may be healing process in it. There may be salvation life in it. Do this to remember me. Because church has got to the place that it's not about him anymore. It's about us. What we like, what we want, how we feel. Preacher gets up and says, one thing we don't like, we're offended. We don't go back to church. I mean, it's all about us now. It's not about community. It's not about koinonia. And the Lord said, do this. Do this right here. In remembrance. We've got to be reminded. We've got to be reminded what this is about. Jesus, on the last night, he took the bread and he broke it. Rodney, come and help me so you can pray. He took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to him. And he had blessed it. The last night of his life. This was so important to him. That we would remember. And this is my blood. He took the cup and said, this is my blood which is poured out. For the sins. And so remember it. So when we take this, we don't believe in transubstantiation where the bread turns into the body of Christ. They don't believe that. He didn't say that. We don't believe the cup turns into blood. But it does represent the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why we're here this morning. We're not here for you. We're here for Him. And for His glory. And for His pleasure, we are created. And so we remember Him. This morning. Can you say amen? Isn't this beautiful? Will you stand with me?
And we're going to take the bread. We're going to bless the bread. And we're going to take it. We want to start out this morning in a way that is just as close to Scripture as we can get. So, Lord, we take this now. We remember you in it. It's not just bread. It's not just a loaf. It really doesn't matter so much to us, I don't think, whether it's leaven, unleaven, all of those things and characteristics the church has brought on it. We don't believe it turns into your physical body, but we do believe it represents, and we do remember your broken body for us. And we take it in remembrance of you, Lord. Let's eat it now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, and we thank you this morning for your blood applied to our lives. God, but not just that you have applied your blood in washing away of our sins, Lord, but that you have put your blood within us and it gives us life. Lord, that we, you are living in us, God, and that you are enabling us to walk as you intend us to walk, Lord. It is your blood that cleanses and that gives life to us, Lord, and we thank you for it. Let us never forget, Jesus, that we only exist because of you, and we give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. Let's drink it together. And now we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. We want to know, Lord, this directive. It comes from you, Lord. We thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord. We were steeped in our trespasses and sins. But, but Lord, you had mercy on us, and you saved us and washed us and delivered us. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to your name. You may be seated. Have you ever had communion in the middle of a service? Number four, and they continued steadfastly in prayer. Wow. Okay. Just because you had an Acts 2.38 experience doesn't mean that you don't need to pray anymore. See, prayer is a key to our Christian life, communion with the Lord. He set it up this way. In fact, he showed that example in himself, right? He went into the mountain to pray. We find him many times he's praying. The apostle later says to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you pray all day. But what it means is there's not a spot in your life where you're just going to quit praying. You need to pray. Somebody say amen. You need to get up in the morning. You need to pray. You need to open your heart to God just to get ready for the day. Prayer is so important. Nothing takes the place of prayer. Nothing takes the place of teaching of the apostles. Nothing takes the place of the communion, the fellowship that we have, the koinonia. Nothing takes the place of the Lord's Supper. They're all in place in the church. And so... Even though you've had great things happen in your life and you feel like you may be on a spiritual level, let me tell you about the church. The church, the early church, had the greatest outpouring ever, and then they had trials, and then they had persecutions, and then they had sickness, and then they had financial trouble.
And then they had family issues. Sounds like us. So even though they had Acts 2.38, they still had to pray. They still had to seek the Lord. And so this is one of the key marks of the church is prayer. In fact, Jesus, you know, said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So number five is, found in verse 43, and they sold possessions and goods and distributed to all according to the measure anyone needed. And they laid those gifts at the feet of the apostles. I knew a woman one time who said, well, I just give, but I give to my children. And that's just like giving to the church. No, it's not. No, it's not. You need to give to your children. But that isn't anything like giving to the church. Given to the church is separate. Given to the church is something that God has ordained and, and will continue. If they gave in the early church, why do we have a question now whether we should give or not? I had to get up here and persuade everybody. I don't, I don't, I don't preach a lot on giving because I've, I found out a long time ago, if it's not in your heart, you're only forced to do it, and then you'll find a way not to. But if it's in your heart, you will find a way too. And so we don't get up and hammer on this, but it is part of the early church. In a large way, they gave sacrificially. And, and I made this comment, uh, I think it was Wednesday night. When we came over here, and we, we sold that church, and we had some money. But then people begin to sell their houses. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know the blessing of God was on you all. We sold at the right time. I don't know if you realize that, but the real estate market in California is the same thing that's happening here. It just is a hard sale now. And the higher you go, the harder the sale. I mean, stuff the lower stuff is still, but, but we sold at the right time and God blessed you. Where did you get that extra money from? Where did you get that? You bought the house for this and you sold it for this. Where did you get that money? God Oh, no, no, I made a wise investment. No, 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 no. No, no. And so, so people are looking for ways that they don't have to give tithe. Well, if, if that's what you want to do, you don't want to tithe, that's up to you. Don't tithe. Said, well, you know, would I go to hell for not tithing? You go to hell because you don't obey the word of God. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. It just, it, it just is either you do it or you don't. The early church, look at them. They're not tithing. They're going... So far beyond ties, they're selling now. They're not actually selling their homes that they're living in and giving that money to the church because they would have be dependent on the church then. They would have nowhere to live. But they're selling possessions and goods. And why do you think they're doing this? They believe the cause is greater than their life. And they have a spirit of giving. I'm going to tell you what. You get an Acts 2.38 experience, and you're stingy and not a giver, you just got wet and made some babblings. Because the Spirit of God, there's only two kinds of people in the world, givers and takers. There are no taker Christians. I don't even want to make anybody mad this morning, but I'm about to. Because there's just two kinds of people in the world. 
And God's people are givers. God's church are givers. At the inception of the church, they are givers. Well, no, I have to give this. You don't have to give nothing. But if you have an experience with God, something's going to move on your heart about the kingdom. Can you say amen? Is everybody okay? So they're supporting the advancement of the gospel. They're supporting the welfare of other Christian brothers and sisters. And you know, because if we start Barnabas, the next chapter, and he laid uh, the prophets at the feet of the apostles, you know they brought it into the church. They didn't just see a need and, and go help it, even though they probably did that. But they brought it into the church and let it be dispersed that way through the apostles. We've been doing that for Brother Jake and them, and, and they now have moved in with, and their bills are way down, but, but we're still going to do that. We still have some money. This church got together and said, we're going to support these people. That's what church is about in the koinonia thought. Jake's one of ours. Wait for the world to, to, to take care of him? No. And there was a lot of people that gave gifts, and we're so thankful of that. We got some money yet. We're thankful. We, we're just grateful that they did. But it falls on the obligation. I know Rick and Donna have a great obligation with that. And, and some of you know when, when you've got sick and couldn't work and all those things that your family and it, and it taxed you and it did all that. But the church comes up and the church says, no, this, this is our people. I don't think we have an obligation to the lost. The church is supporting those that have need in the church. The poor you'll have with you always. But the church, we need to support it. Can everybody say amen? And so, stingy, i got this down here. So I can spell it out real good. Stingy gut Christians try to find ways or teach against the tithing of the first fruit. Somebody said, what is tithe? I figured it out a while back. I didn't have it. Now I do. And that's what I tithe on. It's really easy. Do a tithe on the gross, do a tithe on... I didn't have it, and now I do. And that's what I call first fruits. And I'm going to bring the tithe of my first fruit to the Lord. I don't care if it hair lips the devil. I don't care what somebody else thinks. I don't care if people won't give a dollar to the Lord. That's, that's just their concern with the Lord. But I am going to bless the Lord. It's what the early church did. It's what we're going to do in this place. It's what we're going to preach. Can you say amen? Well, prove it, Pastor. Prove it. There's tithing. I'm not proving nothing. If you don't, you want to keep your money and do what you just do it. But I'm going to give to the Lord and to His cause. Because it's in my heart. Well, what about when times get rough? Well, I've been bankrupt once. I've been broke many times. Lost my business a couple times. What'd you do, Pastor? I just give to the Lord. He didn't expect me to give more than what he gave me. Well, you need to plant some seed. I'm not planting no seed. I'm giving off the increase that God gave me. It's what the early church did. Everybody say amen. Oh, that's really good stuff. We like to hang out there for a minute. But I want to tell you this. That having gave to the Lord's work, they were the most blessed people on the face of the earth. You could go anywhere. You could go to Asia. 
You could go to China. You could go up to Russia. No one compared on the earth to what God was doing in His church. Because they were givers, He was giving. Because they were blessing, He was blessing. Because they had the order right, God was in it. I'm saying, let's just go back there. Brother Charlie, Brother uh, Austin, would you come? We're going to receive our gifts right now. Isn't that beautiful? It just dovetailed right into this service, this sermon. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for increase. We thank you for blessing. We thank you, oh God, for this place. How could we ever give you enough just to say thanks for being here? Lord, we appreciate your goodness, your kindness, your blessing. And we ask you, Lord, if these people are givers. Lord, these people are givers. We ask you, Lord, God, that your blessing will just be through it. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Can you give while I continue preaching? I know everybody's getting hungry, so let's go on. i got one more. Praising God. You're going to find that down. You're going to find that down in verse 47. Ultimately, they were praising God. I am afraid the early church would not recognize what the latter church is calling praise and worship. What the modern day church is calling praise and worship, the early church would walk out on. The flickering colored lights and smoke and the blasting of instruments so loud you can hardly hear the music and that's the way they want it. They don't want you to hear the words. It's a blasphemy. That is not what happened in the early church. Well, you know, we, we have advanced. We have, we have, we have grown. And, and I've heard this argument, you know, that we now, we live in the twenty. Third century. No, we're we're different people. We, we're di no, no, absolutely not. We are no different than them sitting in a building. None. We have some conveniences. Yeah, they didn't have any phones. They rode a horse to church, or walked, or a wagon. But they thought and lived and acted exactly like we do. Mankind has not changed. And so did the church evolve? No, the church devolved. We have come down from the standard. We haven't gone above the standard. We've come down from the standard. And now what's called praise and worship is a confusing mess. Brother Chris did a great job on this, and I mentioned this before, but I believe it's involved with the enemy's way to pollute a real praise to God. He doesn't want you in here praising God. That's just part of the church. He'll break down how you give, break down how you praise. He'll break down the coin in the in the church. He'll break down the teaching of the apostles. Ah, you know as well as he did. He's just a man. He, you know, all that stuff is going on in church everywhere. And then at the same time, Jesus is saying, I'm trying to build my church. The gates of hell do prevail against what is called church now. That's why we find all these 
mega preacher men who five years later it's found out that they've been having affairs with this and that and the other and they got a bunch of homosexuals here and there and all in the church and we find out all that mess and why is that? That is because they didn't frame the church according to the pattern that Jesus laid down. And because they didn't do that, they're open that it gets polluted. So watch you, therefore. Watch you, therefore. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. What do you think the faith is? I believe in Jesus. No, that's not it. The faith is what God laid down in order for the church. Everybody say amen. Get a little quiet right there. So, Some of that junk you're listening to on the radio, you need to turn it off. There's an anointed true worship and praise out of a spirit of truth that God's looking for in his people. Don't you think if in John 4 Jesus said that God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth? Oh, he's not doing that anymore. It just sing a song. Just put a name in there. Just, just lift up, you know, put the name of Jesus in the song. Put the name God in the song. And, oh, it's just going to be great. No, there's a true praise and a true worship. And we're trying to find that. We want to stay in that. Can you say amen? Everything that says it's saved is not saved. There was no question about their music. I go in the store and I can't tell if it's Christian. I can't tell if it's the world. I can't tell if it's the devil. It's, it's not Christian for sure. There's a sound. There's a Christian sound. And in the early church, I'd have liked to have been there. I wonder who was leading, who they had for a, a worship leader. Peter, you know, got up. He didn't have a mic. He got up and started crooning, you know, like he did to the fish. Singing an old song, and they're all joining in. But I'm going to tell you what, the sweet praise was there. I'll tell you, they, they were out of their hearts. They were worshiping the Lord. They were worshiping God. There were no cameras. There were no, no, no contraptions of any kind. It was just praise to the Lord. Amen. There was no animal called Christian music industry. Thank the Lord. There was no Dove Awards. I would, I kept, I, can this be praise? You sing a song and record it, and now they bring you in and give you a, a, a trophy. A Dove Award to honor you for singing a song to the Lord. That doesn't make sense to me. Let me tell you why. It's not to the Lord. Let's, let's, just, let's just spill the beans. That stuff is not about the Lord. That stuff is about money. Oh, Amen. But they just had a heartfelt thanksgiving and offered it up to God. All right, I'm finishing. Sandwich between Acts 2.38 and the third chapter. Sandwich between there. We've got the church functioning in all cylinders. Everything's going, man. They're listening to the apostles. Their, their, their fellowship, their koinonia is great. They've got their giving right. They, they've got their prayer right. They've got all the issues that I talked about this morning right. And you know what's beginning to happen in that church? We're not talking about the day of Pentecost now. Let's talk about what happened in the church after the day of Pentecost. Signs, wonders, and miracles begin to take place. We want signs and wonders and miracles, but we're out of order. 
that God never works out of order. If we get the order right, then he's able to do what he wants to do. Amen. The believers were knitted together in a strong koinonia. Persecution was coming, and they held each other up. They stood steadfastly, it said, with one mind. You know what that means? There wasn't division in the church. As long as I've been in church all my life, and as long as I will be in church all the rest of my life, there's always some division. Somebody doesn't like this. Somebody doesn't like that. And really, you know, that is what's laid at the apostles' feet now, is complaints. Let's be real. So Donald Trump is calling, you know, sanctimonious. Uh, he's using that word now, sanctimonious. He's, you get so sanctimonious that you're not talking about me, Pastor. I don't have any complaints. I am 100% in koinonia for the better of everybody else. Amen. Then one little thing happened. But this church had one mind. See, if you're going to see the wonders of God, that stuff has got to quit. We have to build up each other in the most holy faith. Can you say amen? We're taking hand in hand, and we're building each other up and bringing each other up. And Yeah, but I don't like what the way this one did that and that one, you know. Yeah, but one mind and one accord was not just the day of Pentecost. It was continuing because that one mind and one accord was the power of the Holy Spirit of God on the people. Thank you, Lord. And so then... They shared their food with simplicity and gladness of heart. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to do that today. See, we not only did the offering and, and, and the Lord's Supper, we're going to share food. It's biblical. Finally, we got to something I can identify with. I love to eat, said everybody. But they did it with just simplicity, warmness. They went house to house. They didn't have building. We do now. So we're going to do it in here. Every first Sunday of the month, we're doing some kind of dinner, whether it's picnic lunch or church dinner or whatever. And then on the third Sunday, so we take a break between. And that is biblical. Can I hear an amen? You made that up, Pastor. No, I just cut out the Sundays between to kind of give everybody a break that didn't want to meet every Sunday. It's still biblical. Because I'm going to tell you something. When we get together and sit down and eat, it is a blessing to each other. Amen. Have you ever been to a church growth seminar? I want to see anybody's hand that's ever been to a church growth seminar. Kay and I. Rodney. I hate them. They are 100% unscriptural. Nowhere did God tell us to build his church. What he told us was to get in order of the way he established it. He didn't tell you to save anybody. And the last scripture, that's why I read it first. The last scripture does not say, and they went about saving people all over the place. No, they didn't. And the Lord added to the church. They couldn't do it. I've tried it in the past, and I am done. Thank God. God, I'm delivered from that. 
I've tried to add people who were contrary to other churches. I've tried to add people who were contrary to our church. I've tried to have people who didn't want to be there. You had to beg them to come to church. I'm done. Thank God. I'm free at last. Because Jesus built his church. I don't want one person connecting with this body that doesn't want to be here. I don't want one person connecting with this body that all they want to do is come and cause complaints. We want one mind in this place. That doesn't mean we're not going to see everything perfectly, but we're going to keep the same spirit of unity, the spirit of oneness in this body. That's where God works. When we all get together in the right order of what He wants things done, then somebody said, boy, that's a big building out there. We're sure going to look funny sitting in that big building. We're going to have exactly as many people in here as the Lord puts in here. No more and no less. Every one of you, I don't think you may not even know that, but you're here by appointment. You didn't fall off a log and get here. It happened. God put you here. And that's the ones we want here. Can you say amen? Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. So... God gave me three words a long time ago. I shared this with you before. The Lord gave me three words about this church. He gave me three words about what we were going to get. I didn't know what it was. I, I couldn't. You know, we talked about that already. But he just gave me these three words. Plain and simple and functional. See, we don't need any marble here. Oh, that may be nice. We don't need it, though. What we need is simple and functional. What we need is that we can get up and talk about the apostles' teaching. We can talk about the oneness of the faith of God in our body. And God pull us together and live in community. You can't live in speaking in tongues, but you can live in the community of God. Amen. Would you stand with me? God bless you so much. I didn't take all of those 40 minutes that I said we had. So So we're going to eat lunch and uh, have some of that communion with each other, that koinonia, that blessing. You can sit with your family. You can sit with them. It doesn't really matter. But we're going to fellowship with one another and just enjoy each other's company. And and about, I don't know, maybe 1.30 or 2, we'll come back and uh, just have some more teaching of the apostles, more praising God and the goodness of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We just lift a praise to you this morning. We're not perfect, Lord. We've got a ways to go. Lord, we're trying to disconnect from what the church has devolved to. We want to come up to the level of what you ordered. You said, I will build my church. Lord, what you ordered, not what men have done. Lord, I pray, God, just give us wisdom and honor. Lord, I pray that we will have this, this togetherness, equanimity in this body so strong. Lord, that you would bless and touch us in our effort to come closer to what you're building. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. Find a table, any table.